Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Krakowski. All right, thanks so much for joining me today. So on today's episode, I'm joined by Jason Phillips. Jason's the founder and the CEO of the Nutrition Coaching Institute. He's one of the top leaders in nutrition coaching for decades. He's been, been a master of combining the science and the application of nutrition. And I know the NCI has helped thousands of coaches build ultra-successful and sustainable businesses. And I know the only way you can do that in the nutrition space is to know what you're talking about. So I was really pumped to have Jason on and join me here today. This is one of the most insightful conversations I've had here on nutrition, on mindset, on business. So with that, we'll get right to it, okay? If you like this episode, you wanna show the podcast some love, then please rate and review it wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to subscribe. You can catch all new episodes that are dropped every single week. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Jason Phillips. It's so nice to meet you, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. Dude, it's good to connect. I, uh, I'm honored and I, I hope that I bring some value to you and your audience. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So I've been following you since I, I've known Brian and Carrie and I've known you've worked with them, you know, for a bit. Um, and started just looking at the Nutrition Co- Coaching Institute and the work. And it's just phenomenal. It's it's so interesting. There's so much stuff out there on nutrition that it can get so confusing. And, you know, with the program that you created, I mean, not only is it great information, but the coaches are are earning great livings. And the only way you do that is by having a good foundation of stuff. So I was like, let's get into it. Let's get into the details. So again, really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's funny that like you say that, you know, I, I was watching the Today Show this morning and they they had a segment on like the best diets of 2023. And I'm like, wow, like this is literally the problem. This is not a solution yeah. in any way. And like the segment is like designed around giving consumers a solution, which is like, here, let me help you find a diet. Except like that statement in and of itself is the actual problem. And right. it's it's crazy because like that, like that component is what has allowed me to really create success in this space, which is, listen, diets aren't that difficult. Nutrition isn't that difficult. There's a lot of nuance, right? Of course. But at the end of the day, we are seeing a, a rise in overweight and obesity, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know that it hasn't gone down at all, like in the last several years. And like, so when we zoom out, we realize not only are we seeing that, but we're also seeing more and more nutritional education being put out into the world. So like how if the world is more educated, are we still getting fatter? Right. That makes zero sense. Yeah. And the only logical conclusion that we can create is that more knowledge is not the answer. Right. And it's yeah. always how do we take that knowledge and facilitate application to the end consumer? And when we actually start getting people to implement the knowledge, that's when lives begin changing. Right. And yeah. That's my ethos from day one. And that's how I coach people. That's how I teach education. That's how we've certified coaches. And like, I, I genuinely believe that if we're, if we as a world are going to get healthier, it's going to start with application. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny too. Cause I mean, something like the today show and it's like, they know everybody's thinking about diet right now. So let's throw some quick solutions out there right away. Get people pumped up. It's almost like a beautiful clickbait on that. But yeah. you know, it's funny. I was, I had a, uh, I talked with Zach Evanesh last week about that, of how knowledge now is not valued at all. Like we think it is because there's so much information out there, but 
if you actually look at the application of people utilizing knowledge, especially in nutrition and the fitness space, we're still on a downward trajectory. So it's like something's something's got to give here. It's not more knowledge information. It's the application of it yeah. from it. And I think that's where it seems too. just as much consumers are confused. It seems coaches are just as confused yeah. in the space as well of what to do. Well, dude, when I wrote the cert, excuse me, when I wrote this cert for Nutritional Coaching Institute, you know, um, it was Craig Ballantyne who was like, man, like, he's like, you're, you're the best in the world at getting results. He's like, no matter who you work with, you've got a result. And I'm like, thanks. And he's like, you got to teach other people how to do that. And I was like, bro, like, there's precision nutrition. They're like the gold right. standard in certs. Like, and then, and then there's like all those other certs. Like, how in the world, I can't reinvent biology and physiology and metabolism. Like, they haven't changed. Like, you know, science is science. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, he's like, you have something that these others don't figure out what it is and teach that. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, like, I guess what I'm really good at is application. And so all of a sudden, like what's crazy is over the last six years, since we've been in existence, we've had students from all the other certs come and they're like, this was the missing link. And, and so mm-hmm. it just reiterates the notion that, you know, academia is, is fantastic. Listen, I believe everybody needs a base of knowledge. I think everyone needs to understand the science. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, if I put you out in a real world setting and I let a client come to you and you, you throw a textbook at them and the textbook doesn't work, do you have the ability to problem solve? Do you have the ability to use deductive reasoning with what's in front of you? And the simple truth for most fitness professionals are they're just a walking regurgitation of something that they've read. And there's no mm-hmm. critical thinking. There's no deductive reasoning. And without that, you don't create long-term solutions. I had a, an amazing call yesterday with uh, Luca Hosever. And so I, uh, my own personal pursuit is I'm trying to play golf at a really high level in 23 and beyond. Mm -hmm. And so I hired Luca to do my physical training and I sent him videos from my last session with my golf coach. And like, dude, we got on a call and he's like, you're doing this, you're doing this. And he's like breaking down everything I'm doing physically. He's, he's not like in a strength conditioning textbook telling me like, this is how you get faster and stronger for golf, right? Mm -hmm. Literally like he's creating application based off of what was in a textbook. And I was like, man, I knew this is why I loved you. Right. Luca and I have a great (laughs) friendship, but um, you know, that's to me, man, those are the professionals in the world that are going to win. Right. Well, it's, and it's, it's interesting, the application, when you said that, like, this is the missing link right there from those people, what was it that they were thinking of just how to apply it or how to break it down confidently to someone putting it in kind of terms that everybody can understand? What was that missing link more? Yeah, I think it's both. Um, You know, I, I think that nutritionally speaking, we're in a weird place in Western culture, uh, you know, 2022, 2023. Mm -hmm. And I always say nutritionally, we are the product today of what was predominantly spoken about probably a decade ago. And so if you think nutritionally speaking, 2012, um, it was kind of the end of the paleo era, beginning of zone, mm-hmm. but really um, on the very beginning of the low carb phrase, right? Like keto okay, got yep. popular at that yep. time. And so when we now elongate that timeline and we look at the 10 years as a whole, we start to see, okay, what else was happening when keto came to the forefront? Well, high intensity exercise in Western culture is very trendy, right? Mm -hmm. CrossFit like really hit like peak notoriety, in my opinion, like 2012, 2017, like that, Mm -hmm. that was like their peak. And so all of a sudden there's this connotation 
of, well, if I don't go to the gym and leave in a puddle of sweat or I don't crawl out, I didn't do a good workout, right? And that, unfortunately, that was the consumer mindset. Mm -hmm. When we combine ketogenic diets and we combine high intensity glycolytic exercise, we have a recipe for HPA axis dysfunction. Yeah. So we're starting to see that show up a lot in the late, you know, 2018, 19, 20, and especially like the last two or three years. And so that is predominantly what's showing up. Okay, cool, right? Great to understand that. Now let's look at the physiology textbooks, right? Let's Mm -hmm. look at the nutrition textbooks and let's say, is there any, is there ever a, you know, is there ever information put into a textbook that says your client comes to you, they've tried five other diets, severely low calorie, they have overtrained to the point to where they're suffering from HPA axis dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Here's the steps you take, but more importantly, here's how you communicate to them their inability to lose weight for potentially the next year or so. Like that's never been written in a textbook. No, never. Right? And so the question becomes, how does the nutrition coach know how to communicate properly to the client? Mm-hmm. How do they know that they are building the right solution? And then how do you marry the two? Because your programs are only as good as the client implementing them, but Mm -hmm. your programs and your clients implementing them hinge largely on your ability to trust yourself in doing the right thing. Right. Because in the nutritional world, what's taught is that success is largely numerical and or visual, meaning we see the scale fluctuate negative Mm -hmm. or positive. Or we see body fat distribution fluctuate negative or or positive. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot of what we're seeing today has very little to do with either of those things. And I would argue 60 to 70% of clients showing up at a nutritional coach's door require physiological work. Mm -hmm. They require physical work. Right. And so one of the right. things we say at CI is the physical follows the physiological. Mm-hmm. And so when you can perfect someone's physiology, you've actually built a rocket ship to create transformation. Yes. But most people don't know how to articulate that to their clients. Mm-hmm. And when your client, and listen, I get it, man. Like when your client gives you five or 10 grand to lose fat and you turn around and you're like, great, we're not going to lose fat for six months. Right. Like, Go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> And and I get it, right? Like, I mean, if I'm putting myself in the client's shoes and I'm like, here's my five grand because I want to be ripped. And you're like, dope, you're going to get fatter before we get ripped. I'm like, right. Yeah. But it requires a really good coach to be able to explain to you why to capture your trust in the long-term like outlook of everything Mm -hmm. and then implement successfully. And I promise you like I've done it a couple of times, literally in that exact same conversation. I had, I had a woman come to me and she was eating 800 calories a day. She was training five times a day mm-hmm. and she was not losing fat. And I, I remember on the call with her, she was like, yeah, I just want to lose weight. And I was like, great. I can't help you lose weight. Right. I'm sorry. And, and she was like, well, then, you know, I might need to talk to another coach. And I'm like, fantastic. Like you, you should. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but I got to tell you that if any other coach tells you you can lose weight immediately, you should probably run the other way very quickly. Right. And I, I said, when you're ready to have a serious conversation around actually fixing the root cause of this problem, 
I would absolutely love to have that conversation with you and, and us consider working together for a prolonged period of time, because I think it's going to take you mm-hmm. a minimum of eight to 12 months to even be in a position where your body can lose fat again. Right. Is that something that you recognized in a conversation like early on with clients or was there an evolution in how you connected with clients over time with this? Cause I think like, if I'm thinking of like a coach, as you said, like if somebody wants to come in and drop fat and you start talking about the foundational things, you know, over and over, I used to think like I did a lot of functional movement work and assessment uh, with people before who had asymmetries, they had dysfunctions, but they came in, they wanted to get in better shape. They wanted to lose fat. So you start talking about correcting their movement and stuff like that. They look at you like they have five heads. So it's almost like an easy solution to say, okay, like, well, we'll just go in that route. And that's where I think these six week, these 12 week transformations come about because you want people to be happy right off the bat. In reality, though, you're kind of setting themselves up for another failure down the road, maybe like three months or six months down the line. So did that change for you and how you approached clients from the beginning into as you went on in your career? So I've, I've always gone about it just with truth, right? So I've always tried to be transparent. Um, I've never, I've never been the people that like, I've never been the guy that was like, I'm going to get you ripped tomorrow. Um, <laughs> a, I just, I don't believe that's sustainable in any way. And so, you know, you got to remember, man, my background is in anorexia. Like I started this, I started into the nutrition right. world as an anorexic. And so like, I'm so hypersensitive as to what protocols can do to somebody long-term, not just physically, but also emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been on the, I guess, slower side or more gentle side. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't think I was ever the guy that was like, I'm going to get you shredded quick or do anything quickly. I was always like the guy like, yo, let's get on the journey together. So I think maybe for me, that was a, a blessing um, in the sense From your of your personal like, journey. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I never got caught up in that hype. Um, I think now that like, you know, I coach other coaches, uh, I can see why they do get caught up in the hype. I mean, let's, let's be honest, dude. What's sexier than saying I got this overweight person, a rip six pack, like yeah. that's what every other, that's what every overweight person wants. And so yeah. when you're trying to change the narrative, it's very difficult. Um, except if your narrative is just truth from day one, it's not as difficult. And I think that's mm-hmm. where, for me, I've been very open about the struggles and, and about what it really looks like on the inside. And, and that's why I tell coaches, like, share your own journey as well, because yeah. mm-hmm. the fast way to develop trust is to show your own vulnerabilities. Um, and so, you know, I share that with coaches all the time. Yeah. You know, that was a message I learned from Luca was your mess is your message. And he kept saying that over and over again, hearing from him, which is exactly right. It's so it's so interesting. Um, I mean, just hearing of your journey of anorexia, you don't hear it as much, it seems, from from the male perspective. It seems like that's most people think that's a female, you know, type issue on. But I was just looking at it, it's like, no, it's much more prevalent in both sexes. Are you are you familiar with Bradley? Uh yes. Yeah, I know his okay. podcast. So- mm-hmm. I was on Brad's podcast and I was telling him about this and I'm like, dude, I, I guarantee you, if you and I dove into the male sector of the coaching industry, like fitness coaching industry, mm-hmm. virtually every male that has notoriety um, for their physique. So like abs or muscle or whatever, right? probably started with some sort of body image issue or eating issue. And I know it because I know all those guys, right? <laughs> Like when you have that circle of trust, you talk about those things. 
But very few of them understand that being vulnerable is okay. And, you know, uh, it's so funny because when I first started talking about it, I was like, I don't even feel like I'm being vulnerable. I feel like I'm just telling you who I am. Like I just, right, I, right. I don't look at being an anorexic as a negative thing. I'm like, it was a part of my life. It's a part of who you are. Yeah. And if I'm being completely honest, man, like I was a fucking shithead prior to anorexia. Like I was lazy. I was a dickhead. I had no discipline in my <laughs> life. And, you know, I, I sometimes I'm like, man, it might have been the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned self-control. I learned mm-hmm. discipline. And like, and I, I don't say that lightly. I don't want somebody with an eating disorder to get triggered and be like, wow, this guy just glorified anorexia. In no way do I believe right. that. Because on the other side of that coin, I'll tell you, you know, I overcame anorexia at 19 years old, but I'm 38 and I still believe I'm partially anorexic. And so right. here I am. Yeah. Like I don't, I, you know, anorexia clinically is anorexia nervosa. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a nervous system disorder. I don't think you rewire your brain. I think that you learn right. to channel it better. And so because of that, dude, listen, I, I have a very difficult time gaining body fat at 38 years old mm-hmm. and knowing what I know about physiology and stress and subsequent adaptations I know that I should probably walk around two to 3% higher body fat to, uh, to operate optimally, Mm. but mentally I'm still fucked. And so I operate from 7% body fat instead of 9%. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's anorexia, man. Like, let's just be honest. And so I'm still kind of fucked in my head. And so, you know, I, I just think that I've learned to channel it and, and it makes me who I am today. I, by the way, I also believe I can empathize with clients that struggle with food. And, you know, we were talking offline before this about the mental side of yeah. nutrition. And I think there's a level of empathy and connection that I can have with certain people because it, I'm not just talking about it. I've, I've gone through it. Right. That, you know, that's such an important message you just said there, Jason, about like saying it's still part of what you've been. It's still part of the trail that you blaze and it can still be there. You know, it's like, that's, you know, kind of Debbie Ford's work, the dark side of light chasers of really getting into the shadow of like embracing that piece of who you are. It's not, you don't need to go to the extreme version anymore, but recognize it and actually see kind of the power and the benefits of what that did for you. It's not glorifying it and saying that's where you should go but just recognizing it as, as being whole, right? I mean, that's the Carl Jung quote. I'd rather be whole than be good. You know, it's like you yeah. embrace all the different aspects of it. And I think that gets into the question actually I had on that physical uh, versus physiological. Does it seem like almost even kind of that goes on the mindset side, like people don't even realize how shitty they do feel until you actually like talk about it more because we just look at, the exterior, like you see the 12 week transformation, I dropped 20 pounds here and body fat and stuff like that. Not even because we can't look at what's going on inside, you know, with our liver, with our digestive system and stuff like that. So is it almost like we're just ignorant to that, like getting into it? I, I think that we all kind of develop comfort zones of life. Right. And and I think that we all, I think you develop normal. Like I, I don't believe normal in the world exists, right? Because you know, normal in your life is different than my life, normal right. in my life from someone else. And so I don't really know what the word normal even means. I think that it's horrible and I think it lacks context. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I think that you just kind of, you get used to certain things. And so 
I always tell clients, you know, you don't know how good you feel until you feel bad. And you don't know how bad you feel until you feel good. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's, there's certain areas where, you know, I'm going to challenge nutritionally. You say you want one thing, except you may have developed something, you know, routine that you truly do love. And for me to take that from you, because it might require sacrificing that to get to where you want to be, it would actually make you feel worse than where you currently are. And I'm also going to institute some things that do facilitate a positive change. And you didn't even realize how shitty you felt from a sleep perspective or energy perspective, because you've just gotten used to it. And now all of a sudden you feel great. And you're like, wow, I operated 35 years in feeling that bad. And I could have been feeling this good. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And so yeah. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to cultural norms. Um, I think that you just have to really understand the patterns that you've put into your life and begin mm-hmm. to recognize them as either conducive to what you're trying to create or counterproductive to where you're trying to go. Um, and, and then, you know, take the actions necessary to make the appropriate changes. Yeah. That's so interesting. You said it's, I remember I was that person for years of operating on four or five hours sleep and I could still get shit done throughout the day. So I thought I was this optimum guy. I don't need that much sleep. Screw it. It's all good. Then actually started to get good seven, eight hours of quality sleep and realized, oh my God, there, this was this drug that I didn't even realize what I was capable of doing. But it's so easy to fall into those patterns of, you know, maybe it's complacency or it's just you start rationalizing like, actually, no, I'm okay. Like, I feel good. Things, things are decent. I can make some changes, but I'm good the way I am. And we don't even realize that we fall into those patterns. And I think not just like sleep quality and stuff, but especially nutrition. I'm sure that's such an easy pathway for people to go down to. Yeah. The number of people that operate, that operate, I guess the right word would be non-optimally would be near 99%. Like, I I don't know anybody that operates near perfection and that's okay. And it's like, where are you willing to create sacrifice? I mean, dude, one of my favorite, you know, entrepreneurs is Gary Vee. And if you study Gary Vee's early stuff, listen, Gary Vee was a killer when he hit YouTube, right? Yeah. But when, when he came out in the very first Daily V vlog, he was already crushing it. Yeah. Like, but he was fucking fat. Like, right? He, he, he was fat. And he'll be the first one to tell you, man, I was a sloppy piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And no judgment. I love the guy. I was a fanboy then. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I could probably be better. And yeah. he decides to you know, start worrying about nutrition and training. And all of a sudden he started operating at a higher level. And like the reality is he created success from something that wasn't optimal. Lots of people in the world do that. Right. He's creating more success from a position that is more optimal. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Can we create correlation that him optimizing like function has allowed him to optimize business? We could postulate it, but we can't prove it. And the reality Mm -hmm. is those of us that live in the health profession are going to up and down, tell the world that the healthier you are, the better you're going to perform. And Mm -hmm. there are certain, you know, peer reviewed studies that say like cognitive function will improve output. I don't know as though I always love studies that are done like with that sort of like myopic emphasis. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that like, less better you feel, at least the better opportunity you have to perform well. And I think that like when I work with somebody, 
I'm not always trying to create success across all walks of your life. Right. I'm trying to opportunity for you to create it. And I think that's a big mistake that a lot of coaches make is they start saying and they start making statements that what I do for you is going to change the rest of your life. And that's bullshit because what a good coach does is they make a very specific change. They create a very specific outcome and that change and that outcome creates opportunity. And the best coaches in the world very simply provide opportunity. An opportunity is the single biggest gift that any human in this world can be given. Right. It's that's that's interesting. We that that term carryover, right? That's one of the most beautiful terms in coaching. It's like, oh, it's going to carry over into this and this. And I understand that. Like, if you go from zero and absolute shitty, and you get better at anything, it's probably going to improve other areas of it. But it's probably just more of happenstance than it is actually a like an actual focused, you know, function there. It's funny you said that about Gary V because anybody knows he was, he was not a healthy dude and oh. he was, and he was more energized than anybody probably on this planet of, I mean, that's just him. I think he's got some outlier aspects to it, but then realize, I remember when he hired Mike Vacante and then with Jordan and he was working with them and now he's like, Oh shit, I can do even way more if I have a healthy body. But do you think people with that word optimal as well, Jason, do you think, people confuse optimal with perfection because people think that it's almost like optimal means like you're going to be perfect every day and you're always getting better. But it, there's, you know, there's a spectrum of it. Some days you're still going to feel shitty regardless of how good you do at other things. And especially it seems like nutrition, people think you need to be so perfect in everything in order to get any type of results. Yeah. I think people definitely have a skewed perception of the word good, of the word optimal, of the word perfect. I, I think that, um, you know, I think one of my favorite posts that Gary ever made was when he talked about sleeping in one time until like 11 a.m. And he's like, people think I don't sleep. He's like, I sleep all the time, sometimes on weekends. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was like one of the best posts ever because it's like, you think you're going to live in hustle culture and, you know, beat yourself down and only sleep five hours a night, except here's the guy telling you what actually happens in the background. And, right. you know, I, I just, listen, man, we live in a marketing world. We live in a media filled world. I mean, I, if I was advising a coach, like the very first thing I would do is say like build a following because media and, and attention is everything. I mean, why are we on a podcast right now? Because we want this information distributed. Absolutely. Yep. Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, we're only going to tell the side of the narrative that's sexy and, and you're only going to consume the side of the narrative that's sexy. And so very few people are going to consume the side of the narrative that says, well, I get adequate recovery. That's not fun. But you're going to consume the side of the narrative that's like, I only sleep five hours a night. And I right. take shots of espresso in the morning. And then I drink three monsters. And like, you know, the, I've always been fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff because I think that the sensationalism of the world is actually incredibly boring. I think it's very easy to see when something is, is over sensationalized. So I've always right. been on like the truth. And, you know, when I, I, I guess that's why for me, one of my earliest ways of learning and growing was I invested in every nutrition coach under the sun. And mm. so like saw what they marketed and then I was like, cool, I want to see the experience. And so like ah, okay. I was able to like find the gaps. Sure. And, and so it was honestly collections of those gaps where I was like, wow, this is what they're saying. This is what the consumer gets. This is what this person says, what the consumer gets. And I was like, well, this is where it fell short. This is where it fell short. This right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want my program to fall short like that. And, and that was one of the best ways I learned to become a marketer was because yes. I, I literally put myself 
in the shoes of the consumer by spending my own money. And I was like, I got the firsthand experience. So not only did I have firsthand awareness, but I had the actual feelings, like the emotions. And as, right. as you marketing, emotion drives everything, right? Yes. So I'm like, well, fuck, I can speak to the emotions you're experiencing because I fucking had them. Exactly. So, like, I, you know, it's, it's this weird dichotomy of like, you have to be overly sensational to get attention, but then you got to tell truth to, to facilitate the outcome. And right. it's, uh, it's always going to be a bit of a dichotomy. You know, there's people that do it very well. Um, mm -hmm. There's people that don't do it so well and they're assholes and there's everybody in between and like, welcome to the right. world, man. It makes it a beautiful place. Right. Yeah. That's funny. That's one of my favorite people to talk to and follow is Dan John on the strength world, because he does the same thing. Like he, if he's curious about a program, goes in and follows it to a T. So he has the experience behind it on it yeah. and like actually can speak from it from an emotional standpoint. I mean, that is with marketing, especially in this world that we have now. I mean, people, I mean, it's sales 101. People buy emotionally. They don't buy intellectually. Kind of goes back to that whole knowledge base. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't, you don't get an emotional response and get into that, then there's not going to be a connection. You're not going to dive into working, you know, working with the person. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I won't say it here just out of respect mm -hmm. to the person, but uh, I can tell you a great story about <laughs> you know, hiring one of the gurus and then going and spending a week with said guru yeah. <laughs> and what really lived behind the scenes. It, uh, yeah. it's man. it can, it can be very eye opening. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, that's, I mean, we're in an influencer based world, right? It's like everybody puts out their best self on stuff and you can, you know, you can have, you know, millions of followers. I, I think I've actually heard you say this, you know, on one of the podcast, like people have huge followers and we equate that into success and wealth with a lot of these people are struggling because they don't actually, they're not actually good coaches in there, you know, because they don't have a good product. They don't have a good program of, uh, of going in. So with the, on the mindset piece, cause that's one of the courses and the classes that you do in NCI with, I'd like to talk to you about that. Like, what is your, approach to to the mindset side was it something that you were going to input right away or is it something that kind of came about after you did the level one and level two kind of how did that come about yeah i'll give you um the exact origin was sure. july 2017 we delivered our first ever in-person nutritional certification mm -hmm. and i had no idea what i was getting into to be completely honest i just knew people wanted to learn how i had done what i had done and like we were doing it um and by the end of the first day, which was, so we, we break all of our certs into two sections. There's science and there's application. So day one, <laughs> science, and everything kept branching off. Every time we talked about something, we started talking about how the, how the client perceives it, right? So like we're talking science of like proteins, carbs, fats, metabolism. And it's like, well, here's what the, here's what the client's thinking. And I'm like, you guys really want to know about mindset, don't you? Yeah. And, like, and then we got to like the hormone section and that was supposed to take like 45 minutes and it took like three hours. And I was like, it, it was abundantly clear after day one that we needed to do two specialty courses, a mm. hormone and a mindset. And so I asked them, I'm like, hey guys, like, here's my takeaways from day one. If we did these two, would you be down? And they were like, I'd give you my money today. Mm. And I was like, cool, put your money where your mouth is. And like, I challenged them on the spot. I had 40 people in attendance. I was like, I will write this cert. I'll have the curriculum together 90 days from today. And we'll sit in a room and we'll do it. You guys just come to the room. Like I have to pay for the room. You guys come. And they were like, there, and we did it. And that was the genesis. And so I actually had a clinical psychologist on my team that wrote the curriculum because I'm by no means qualified to write that curriculum. Mm -hmm. I had a clinical psychologist write that curriculum. It has since been revised by a PhD candidate 
in psychology, who is my director of education. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where the mindset stuff lives. Um, I can only speak to the importance of it, meaning sure. I, I built everything in the nutritional world on what I call the connection-based model. Um, you can throw knowledge, you can throw application at individuals, but if you can't truly connect and facilitate trust, I don't believe you can facilitate compliance. And, mm -hmm. and so that is the extent to which I could openly speak about mindset. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the science of it and, and the application of it, I would defer to the experts. I am right. no means anything near that. I just have a decent amount of life experience. Right. That's interesting because, I mean, when you say connection, I'm, that's my favorite word, you know, ever is connection yeah. on there. So, and I think what you said there, like connection equals trust on that. And it seems... Have you seen it all like with coaches that come in? I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of confusion. Do they think that it's all about mindset? It's not as much science or as kind of vice versa as kind of a combination of the two? I, I think that the pendulum swings way too much, right? Uh -huh. and, and so I think that you'll get people that will come in that are very like, it's all mindset. And then mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I got to learn all the nutrition stuff. And then and then inside of that, they go into like the rabbit holes. Well, I got to learn gut health and thyroid. And, and it's like pump the brakes. Like it's, you know, we got to, you know, and, and then, you know, not to, not to knock other certifications, but there's one where they're like, everything is behavior based. And I'm like, yeah. I disagree with that. Like <laughs> I, at some point there's physiology that comes into play. And so I, you know, I, I think that what I always try to avoid um, is speaking in absolutes. And yes. so for us to say that it's all mindset or it's all physiology or it's all hormonal, like I just, I disagree adamantly with any statement that begins with like, it's all, or, you know, anything right. of that sort. Um, it, it's right. typically a whole, it's typically the sum of a whole, it's typically a collection. And mm -hmm. so I think that the, again, the best coaches and the best practitioners in the world can survey the land and find the gaps and begin filling gaps. And Right. Um, I think to take that a step further, the best coaches really understand which gap needs to be filled first to, to build trust and to build momentum and then, you know, filling each subsequent gap in an effort of keeping that ball rolling forward. Right. Um, right. I think that anybody can find something that's broken, but not always addressing the right things first. And, and I right. think that's a, that's a skill, man. Yeah, no doubt. I think too, like on a, on a coaching front of it as well, sometimes I think we get into this habit of thinking if you're everything that you're learning, you think like, how am I going to apply this to the next person? It's like, sometimes just go in and just learn it for yourself. Like just actually get the knowledge, just be kind of that forever student on there. It's like, that's when I really started to dive into the mental piece of training. It was, I really started to take off and understand it more when I just wanted to learn it for myself, you know, and really kind of dive into it. Then you started to recognize how to implement it into a program and talk to it about another person. And I think, especially if you're just getting started in, you know, in coaching, it's like, yeah, you want to help as many people as possible, but if you don't understand something fully and, you know, take it in for yourself, then you're just speaking out jargon and just other words from what other people said. You don't actually understand it very well for yourself. And I think that could be a, a rabbit hole that you can get into as a coach of just always learning something and thinking you need to apply it directly, you know, right away. That's one of the things I love about, about Brian Grasso and Carrie's program is they're like, how does this apply to you first? Yep. And then, and then start talking to it with all the people that you're connecting with.
Well, man, I, I think that being able to lead by example is one of the greatest things that a coach or influencer can do. And Alex Hormozzi, who's my mentor in the business side, recently made a video where he's like, if you're going to teach, stop saying I would do and start saying I did. And I thought that was such a powerful frame shift because the best leaders in the world say I did. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I've never taught something that I haven't personally experienced. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that's why I was such a, I'm so curious in the nutritional space. And, and to be fair, you know, at 38, I don't care as much about my nutrition because I've just built a life, you know, I built habits that I think sustain me. And I, I think I'm in a reasonable state. I don't think by any means I'm optimal, um, but I also mm -hmm. don't think I'm in a place that sucks. And I think that I'm very much okay with the current trajectory of my life. And right. so I don't tinker very much. And so for me to create nutritional content now is actually more difficult because I'm not tinkering. I'm not exploring. And so I can't tell you the things I'm doing. They're not fun. Like I eat the same fucking breakfast every right. day. I've been doing it for years. Like I eat very similar lunches. And a lot of times I eat dinner at a restaurant that's not very healthy. Like I right. go to the fucking Capitol Grill and I get mac and cheese and, uh, you know, I have the truffle fries and, and I enjoy it. And right. So, if I said that, you wouldn't really believe me, number one, and then you would not, you'd want to know way too many other things that I'm just simply not manipulating right now. But right. what I am actively doing is I'm actively growing a very large business. You know, mm -hmm. we've, we've gone from zero to multiple eight figures in less yep. than five years. And I love the pursuit of growth. And so all of my content now is very business related because mm -hmm. it's what I did, it's what I'm doing. And so I think the best leaders are the ones that are actively engaged in it. Right. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, it's probably something too, like if you wanted to just turn it on and get back into like the deep dive of the nutrition show, you could probably turn it on pretty quickly. You've done that. You've kind of been there. So you can always talk about that from knowledge-based and from the personal experience. I keep like six to seven clients at any given time yep. just to stay engaged because yeah. I like to be in the trenches. I love to watch the body change. You know, I've been working with Carrie now, I, mean, I don't know, seven plus years. And, yeah. Um, you know, we continue to take her body to new levels and, you know, currently we're pursuing a world championship. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a lot of fun and, uh, you know, work with a couple of guys that play professional sports. And so those, that's always fun, but um, yeah. that's the extent of it, man. Like it's, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because I know you still have some people that you work with. And I mean, with everything that you're doing and scaling a business up to the level that you're at, I mean, that's a full time plus job to still take on clients. Do you do that as much to keep your saw sharp or is it more just fun for you that you just kind of can keep the engagement? It's a little bit of both, but I, if I had to swing towards either side, it's probably more because I enjoy it. Um, yeah. You know, I'm neurotic at as Carrie will tell you, like as neurotic as they come. So when you work with me, it's, it's a chore as much as it's like right. anything else. I require daily check-ins. Like you got to yeah, check in with me. Every day. Um, and so it's not easy, um, but I'm going to give you 150% of myself yeah. and, and I expect hundred percent commitment in return. And so, um, you know, for me to go to that level, it's gotta be something I truly enjoy. And yeah. so, I'm, I'm very fortunate and then I got to select who I work with. So if I'm working with you, I genuinely enjoy our time together. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it, it's certainly, I mean, candidly, I don't think that 
I think I stopped charging like the last person last year. Like I don't even think I've taken a penny for any of it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not about money, man. It's about yeah. it really is about enjoyment and maybe there's some skill to it. Like me, but I, I don't, I don't personally view it as I'm trying to evolve a skill set. Like that's not what I feel like I'm doing. I, I think by proxy, it probably happens. Um, right. But I think that in general, my, you know, my take on it is that I'm just, I'm just doing something I like. Exactly. And that's it. It's like anybody that I talk to who is in that position of, you know, of success. And I mean, they're doing the things that they love. And that's kind of what you do. I think a lot of people think, oh, as soon as I get here, then I can stop doing X, Y, Z. It's like, well, if you're looking to get out at any point, you're probably in the wrong mindset already of what you're doing. It's like, you better love, you better love what you're doing in every spot. The daily check, it was so funny. I remember when I was out in Arizona uh, at a retreat with BG and Carrie, Carrie's telling me the check-in that she's doing of everything she needs to do for that day as she was in it. It's like, wow, like this is, this is a deep dive into it here. This is a daily thing. This is awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, (laughs) we had a good time. Um, You know, she'll tell you when she's, I don't know, 12 weeks out-ish, it's like, it's when it really gets intense, like pictures yeah. every day, like sometimes it's check-ins multiple times a day. Like mm-hmm. the final week is I, I, the people around me, I'll tell you, like, you know, the final week don't expect to hear from me much because if I have a client that is competing in a week and, you know, whether it's a physique client, mm-hmm. whether it's a UFC fighter, it's like that, they, they get all of my attention that week. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the craziest times was I was hosting a live event one weekend and I had Carrie competing on a Saturday and so here I am and I've got like 400 people in Nashville that I'm delivering to and I've got Carrie and we ended up winning the show, um, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, like that was one of the hardest ones I've ever been through. But, you know, whether you're paying me or not, if I'm committing to the journey with you, like you have my full commitment and you have my full attention. Uh, yeah. And and that's something I've always prided myself in is, you know, I, I can't guarantee the outcome. The human body is just entirely too complex. Right. Um, guarantee that I'll give you the best of my effort. And I can guarantee that I'll leave no stone unturned in the pursuit of that. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's all any good coach could do. Yeah. Can you, do you make changes like that on a daily basis? Like, can okay. you like, yeah. Do you need to make changes that quickly? Especially in physique athletes. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm, when I'm requesting daily, I'm looking at trends. Um, and okay. I think that, uh, you just by looking at weekly data, you don't get to see the micro trends. And I actually think a lot of what you learn from physiology is observed in micro trends. And so very rarely am I making changes day to day. It's more like, Hey, cool. Thanks. Like got it. And, but right. if I start things trending a certain way, I'm usually able to take that data and interpret it and, and, you know, make changes based off of that. Um, yeah. a lot of times too, unbeknownst to my client, I'm testing things and so, you know, at 12 weeks out, I might tell you to do something for two or three days. And, and I'm just seeing how your body responds for future times in the prep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always data that I'm capturing that I never share with the client. Um, a, when you share data with the client, they change their behaviors because they start trying to facilitate outcomes. Um, yes. But I don't want them concerned with that. Right? So I just, you know, I, I track it, I monitor it and make my notes and off we go. Yeah, that's so because I was thinking this. I was like, is this like just a mental check-in type thing? It's like, well, I know Carrie, like she's so mentally mentally tough and mentally competitive. Like she probably doesn't need that. So I was kind of looking at the at the changes from there of what was neat. But da- I mean, data, right? I mean, that's just so powerful. I think that's the one thing I learned from diving into nutrition over the last you know few years is because I was on the, always on that side of mindset is everything, like the mental side. It's like, yeah, it's important, but you need the science, you need the app, you need to understand that piece as well. So as you said, like, I think it's such a marriage of both the two. 
Yeah, I, it has to happen. So yeah, yeah, no doubt. So Jason, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time in. This has been awesome to connect with you. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time and, and talking to me today. Dude, it's it's a pleasure, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. You know, I always tell people, like, regardless, we're putting in time, we're investing, trying to help around us. And I think that in and of itself is a noble pursuit, man. So I appreciate you and, and what you're doing. No doubt, man. Yeah. If people want to dive more into the Nutrition Coaching Institute, um, all the, the work that you're doing, what's the best place that they can go and check you out? Yeah. The best place is just hit me on Instagram at Jason Phillips is nutrition. Send me a DM. Um, you know, happy to give you discounts on the courses. Just mention that you're a listener of the podcast. So I know who you are and love it. Um, you know, happy to do that. Happy to connect with you. Happy to answer any questions. Uh, you know, the foundation of everything I do is connection. So the more that we can just shoot the shit, chop it up, the more I can give you advice, like the happier I am. So send messages. I, I look forward to connecting with everybody. Love it, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much. Go follow Jason and I'll talk to you guys on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. It's this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much and I'll catch you on the next one.